Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, good morning. Welcome all of our campuses, all of you watching online, all of us here. Excited. Uh, uh, This week is our Good Leaders Conference. Um, And listen, we have a few more spots available. So if you uh, are a leader, entrepreneur, you started your own business, you lead a team, whatever you want to, uh, learn some great stuff this Thursday, September the 8th. You can sign up. There's a QR code. I'll put it up there for a little bit. Um, it's from 10 to 2, so it's not all day, but it is a great time. Uh, we have a few more spots available. We're cutting it off. So, um, man, if you want to sign up, I'd love for you to be there. We'd love to see you. Um, today, man, I'm excited about today. Um, uh, the life you've always wanted. We're in a series called you life you've always wanted, and we're kind of talking about choosing God's way over your way, his purpose over your purpose, his dreams for your life rather than your dreams for your life. And that's easier said than done. And I get that. I understand that it's not always as easy as one, two, three, when I give you the points, here's the points. It's not always that easy, but in, the, in, a, in a sense, he's given us direction. He's given us his word to find and know his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so our series explanation, this is why we're doing this series, is to align ourselves, spending our lives, learning to know God's purpose for our life in every situation, in every season of our lives. And, and, and so that changes as, it, as, as our kids grow older, or as we have kids, or as we retire, or whatever that season is, we're learning to know his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 is where we've been. Paul says it like this. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. I plead with you to give your bodies, your lives to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So this is where in week one we started. If we can actually learn to know God's will, his purpose for our lives, no matter who you are. And and I think sometimes many of us think, well, John, that's for you. You're a pastor. That's, that's, you know, God's really kind of talking to you. For me, it's just kind of, hey, do what you want and wherever your gifts are and and, and whatever, uh, you know, life brings you, then that's what you're doing. Man, that's far from the truth. It's for everybody. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good. And the context of that is for Israel in their captivity and their coming out. But the, 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 the principle is the same, is that God has a plan. He has a purpose for your life, not just mine. Not just Billy Graham or Rick Warren or you know whoever. It, it is for everyone. So we start there knowing that we can learn to know. And so here's the outline, right? Here's how we do it. Learning how to know God's purpose, number one, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. It, we're different. We look at scripture and we, we, we're, it's an upside down world, the kingdom is. It is not the selfish climb to the top no matter what, beat everybody up and, and do whatever you need to do to get what you want. Our kingdom is different. We serve and we go last and so forth. Allow God to transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's just regeneration. That's resurrection. That is transformation. And then 
true worship. And this is where we've been for the last few weeks. And, and for true worship, I've given you a graphic to help. Uh, this helps me when I see things. The different categories or areas of our lives. We started with self. In other words, giving him our lives, lordship. He's not just savior so I can get to heaven. He is actually my Lord. I'm following him or at least trying to follow him every day of my life. Last week, we talked about spiritual formation and the, and the importance of, of Scripture and, and prayer and community and, and, and those kinds of things. Uh, today, I want to talk to you about song and the importance of song as it pertains to our lives, offering up our lives in worship. Now, how many, how many have ever been to a concert of your favorite band? Uh, I don't know how many like uh, Garth Brooks or, or, or uh, the King, uh, George Strait. George Strait's much better. But, no, I'm kidding. How many have been to a concert? Raise your hand. Let me see your hand if you've been to a concert. How many know the songs? How many are, you know, when they're singing those songs, you're like, yeah, I got friends in the country. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my, one of my favorites is, are the Eagles. I mean, since I was a little kid, one of the first songs I learned was an Eagles song on the guitar. And so when I was a kid, I loved the Eagles. And so I've been to five, I don't know, five concerts. I love the Eagles, and I, and I know the songs and so forth. Song is a very powerful thing. I mean, you can turn that radio on or turn your playlist on, and, and if you're in the mood for rock and roll, Led Zeppelin, and you, that, that, you know, whatever comes on, whatever you like, Black Dog or whatever, you're like, yeah. On the motorcycle, all I listen to is Jesus music, but I know my friends, my friends... <laughs> My friends listen to other things, and I just kind of hear it. <laughs> you know, you, you just want to cruise down the road, and you're just like, man, you got it, you know, a, 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 whatever. So anyway, and then if you're in a, a chill mood, if you, you want something chill, you turn on Nora Jones or, or you know, Billie Holiday or, you know, whatever, right? There's a lot of different things. Song is very powerful, very powerful. But as it relates to worship and as it relates to our lives, offering up our lives. Can I just tell you, as powerful as it is to be in a community of thousands of people singing, I got friends in low places, or whatever song you particularly like, how much more powerful is it when we sing our songs of praise and, and, and worship to the Lord? In the Old Testament, uh, song was a huge heart of worship. I'm not even going to read one psalm today. And that would be, I mean, that's like counterproductive in, in the sense of talking about worship because the psalms are filled with songs to the Lord and, and, and instruction of how to worship. We worship. You know when we clap our hands after a song? That's, we're not clapping for the band. Many of us are thinking, oh, good job. Good job, guys. We're not clapping for the band. We're clapping. We're saying, I agree with that song, and we celebrate with you, Lord. We thank you. That's why we clap. That's why we extend our, our arms or our hands in worship, and we just say, God, you've got all of me. That song, I really believe what we're singing, and, and, I, and I really am engaged here. Those things don't make you spiritual or, or make you perfect, but it does connect us in the power of song in worship. Now, that carries over to the New Testament. Jesus, in, in the Last Supper, as he shares a, a, a timeless tradition in which we, for thousands of years as believers in Christ, have followed, and that is the Lord's Supper. 
Well, at the end of that, I don't know if you've ever caught it, but at the end of that, it says they gathered together and they sang a, a song or a hymn together. The, the New Testament church was filled with song and, and was singing. And, and so what I don't want to answer today is, should we worship? What I'd like to answer today is why we sing. Because I understand some of you could care less about music. I know it's the minority of the world, but some of you are like, man, I don't, I don't sing. I don't really like to sing. Can I tell you that's why we have the music so loud? Because you can't sing, right? And we don't want to hear you. No, I'm kidding. Well, not, no, I'm not, we're sort of kidding. I understand that not everyone is like, oh, John, yes, I totally, as I described the power of song and worship, many of you in your heart were like, yes, man, I, I totally agree. Many of you were like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever, I don't, I don't really care. It's like, it's like an appetizer before your message, John. That's the way you view corporate worship. And so today, what I'd like to try to answer is why, why we sing. Why, why, why song? There's other ways to worship, of course there. That's why I'm going through this series. Our, our lives and the way that we treat people, the way that we talk to people, the way that, that we carry our lives, the, the, the spiritual formation and, and the other parts of the, of the uh, graphic that we'll go through, there's many types of worship and many ways to worship, but, but, but I don't want to just pass over or ignore the power of song in private and corporate worship. So here's where we're going to go today. I'm hoping that this helps you. The wonder of song in worship, the power of song in worship, and the practice of song in worship. This is what I want to cover today, and I'm hoping that your heart's open. I understand many of you come from traditional backgrounds. What I mean by that is maybe with the church that you grew up in, there was maybe a piano and an organ, or maybe there was a big pipe organ and an orchestra. Uh, and maybe that's the way you really, you know, honestly, you prefer. I mean, we've got a slide guitar. We've got the slide going here. I mean, our band is like rock and roll, right? I mean, they, and I love that. That's, I'm the pastor here, so I get to choose. But, <laughs> but that's what I love. I mean, I, I relate to this music. I love this music. When I was growing up in my church, we had a piano on one side and an organ on the other side. How many remember those days? And, and that's fine. I, when I say what I'm going to say, I'm not making fun of any or belittling that in any way. It is not the style of worship that I'm talking about today. It's not the style. It is the connection that we have in worship that's important. And the why behind the style, the why behind the song is, is really what we want to talk about. So, so when I say um, you know, a pipe organ and orchestra or piano and organ. I'm not making fun. Many of us grew up with that. But I'll never forget when I went to youth camp in seventh grade for the first time and, and I heard somebody leading with a guitar and a, and a drums and a bass guitar and, and a, guitar, what, what, a piano. And I was like, wow, this is so much better. Wow. Now that was my person, that's my generation and I, I, I really relate and connect with that. Put that aside. Whatever it is your preference is, put that aside and, and help me help you by listening and, and opening your heart to the why of worship. And I want to start with the wonder 
of song in worship. Now, I'm going to go through some scripture. I want you to stay with me. The wonder of worship. This is the thought that when you truly encounter the wonder of God's grace, the, the, the wonder of God's love and the wonder of God's mercy and the wonder of God's power. When I ride around the country, I, I usually go to the West, Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, Washington, Oregon, California, where Arizona, New Mexico. I, I love mountains. I, I, that's what I love. And when I ride and I go through the canyons or I go up in the switchbacks of the high places, I mean, I just look and I go, I, I'm in awe. You take pictures over these huge, huge mountains, and, and you're just like, I am in awe of God's creation. If you've ever seen Yosemite, if you've ever seen Yellowstone or Glacier or the mountains of Colorado, you, there is this, you can't help but, but be in awe of the beauty of everything that you're seeing. And maybe you're a beach person, and, and you love the white sands of Florida or or Cancun or wherever, and you just like, man, you look over the ocean, and you're just like, wow. That's what I'm talking about, the wonder of song in worship. Luke chapter 5, let's listen. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper. So he had borrowed Simon's boat. He said, hey, can I stand here? And then he taught the crowds from the shore, just right off the shore of Galilee, Many, many people on the shore, he was teaching, he was finished teaching, and he turns to Peter and he says, now go where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we, we've worked all night and, and we didn't catch a thing. In other words, what he was saying is, uh, don't, please don't make us do this. We're fishermen, you're a teacher. Let's keep that separate. You know what I'm saying? I, I, we don't want to do this, but, but if you say so, I'll let down the nets again, and this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in, other, in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he, he fell to his knees before Jesus, and he says, oh Lord, leave me, I'm such a sinful man, many times. In corporate worship, when we gather together, many times the reason we, we hesitate to even sing, hesitate to engage, is because we know what we've been doing this week. You know what I'm saying? We know how we live. We know the faults. We know the sins, the mistakes that we've made this week. And, and we just feel so disconnected because, and you feel like a hypocrite. You feel like, you know, I'm not going to sing because I know, you know, I've messed up. Or, or maybe you deal with past things that you just... For some reason, you just can't get over it. You just feel like you're never going to be worthy. Can I just tell you, none of us are worthy. I don't care how good you think you are. I don't care what good works you do and, and, and a, a pretty good life that you live. It's not about being good. It's what he's done that makes us worthy. It's what Jesus has done that makes us worthy. So nobody in this room is worthy to sing. So don't let your sin disconnect you or or. Um, or, not, or cause you not to engage in worship, Peter did the same thing. He says, hey, get away from me. I'm not even worthy. I'm such a sinful man, for he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. Just know that Jesus had a way of using people who were, who were imperfect. Jesus had a way of 
of calling out of us, or he has a way of calling out of us, even in the midst of our mistakes and our sin and all that stuff. And he just says, hey, Peter, I know you're not worthy. I know that. I'm going to use you. There is a wonder when we see the power of God, the grace of God, when you, see, when you see what God is doing, when we were watching Baptist, here at the Frisco East Campus, um, we had a region a leader, a mentor, that last night and this morning baptized four or five people that have gone through region right here in this tank. And it was awesome. She was here last night baptizing, and, and I was like, oh, man, way to go, five. And then she's back again. I'm like, are you on staff? Well, what's going on here? That when you see the, those people come out of that, nobody's perfect. They're not coming out of there going, oh, no, I'm never going to sin again. I'm never, no, it, there's just this new life, and you see, and, I, and when I get to watch this every month, we've had hundreds, hundreds of people get baptized just this year. And I'm always in awe. I'm just like, God, only God. The wonder and the awe. And, and Peter, when he saw what Jesus did and the power in which he, he operated, he just fell to his knees. Matthew chapter 15, verse 31. The crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well. The lame were talk, walking. And the blind could see again. And they praised the God of Israel. Luke chapter 18, verse 40. It says, when Jesus heard him, he stopped and ordered that the man be brought to him. As the man came near him, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, he said, I want to see and Jesus said, all right, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see. And, and he followed Jesus, praising God. And all who saw it praised God too. Next chapter, Luke chapter 19. As he rode along, the crowd spread out their garments on the road ahead of him. When he reached the place where the road started down the Mount of Olives, all of his followers began to shout and sing as they walked along, praising God for all the wonderful miracles they had seen. Blessings on the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. But some of the Pharisees among the crowd said, Teacher, rebuke the follower, your followers for saying things like that. And he replied, If they kept quiet, the, stop, the stones, the rocks along the road would burst into tears. There, there, is, this, there is this dynamic of, of, of understanding the wonder and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the power of God when you see it that there is no other response than to fall to your knees, so to speak. It's not necessarily physical, but you fall to your knees and your heart bows and you surrender and you sing your songs of worship because of who he is. And the wonder of his work in our lives. Let me put it on the screen like this. If you have experienced God's grace, watching him work in your life and in others, singing a song of worship is easy. It's actually natural. And the question is, have you ever seen God do anything? Has he done anything for you? Is he, is he has he given you new life? Has he promised you eternal life? Has he forgiven you of your sin? Has, has he done anything for you? Then the natural response in, in the working of God and, and in what he's done for us is, is, is worship. And we, we get to sing our songs of praise because of what he, who he is and because, because of what he's done. The second thing is, is, is the power of song in worship. There's a, a great... Old Testament story, Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah, and 
chapter 20 of 2 Chronicles, it describes this scene where there are vast armies that have come up against Judah, vastly outnumbering them. And Jehoshaphat the king, I mean, which is the right response, immediately goes to the Lord. He calls all of Judah, the southern kingdom, of he calls all of Judah into a fast. They come to Jerusalem, and they all pray and seek the Lord together, and they fast before the Lord, saying, praying, God, you are the only one who can save us. You saved the Israelites coming out of Egypt and into the desert, and you brought us into the promised land. You're the only one who can win this battle. And a prophet stood up, somebody who the Spirit of the Lord, as the Scripture says, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he prophesied, and he, and he says, the Lord is with you. The battle is his. The battle is not yours. You stand firm, and you watch the victory of the Lord. And then the Scripture goes on to say, Jehoshaphat does this. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. And at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against the allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived, they hadn't even been there. They hadn't even drawn a sword yet. Looked at, uh, over the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder that it took them three days just to collect it all. On the fourth day, they gathered in a valley of blessing, which, is the, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is called the valley of blessing to this day. The, this is an incredible story. They didn't do one thing, but they sent the singers. They, they, they sang their songs of praise. His mercy endures forever. His love endures forever. And the, the battle was won. I, I'm just, there's something about this. There's something about when you are in, a, in the middle of a mess. You ever been in the middle of a mess? And many of us go to alcohol or, or some other thing to cope. Maybe we buy a lot of things thinking that that's going to help. And we go through relationship. And we, we, we fill that void with something. But can I just tell you, there, there, there's something powerful that in the middle of our mess and in the middle of our battle, in the middle of our struggle, the middle of our challenge, when we sing our songs of praise to the Lord, you just stand and you watch what God does. When we say, it's, it's almost like we say, we trust you with this, Lord. And I'm going to sing my songs even when I don't feel it. Have you ever come in here and, and you've never, you just didn't feel like it? Now, some of you, that's all, all the time, but a lot of us, a lot of us, you know, there's, there's times in which you love the Lord, but you, man, you're, I mean, you've had a fight on the way in, and it's very abnormal to do that, but you fought on the way in, and, and it's like, man, I do not feel like singing. I'm not singing, because I'm looking at him, and I am going to, you know, you just don't feel like it. Those are the times, guys, those are the times in which we offer up that praise, and we offer up that song. There's, there's another story in, in the book of Acts. Paul and Silas, they were preaching, 
And uh, man, great things were happening, but they cast a demon out of this fortune teller girl. And the owner of the girl who was making money off her fortune telling was ticked. So he went to the, the city officials and I mean, they threw them in prison and, and in the dungeon of the prison. And, and I, don't, I don't know if about you, I don't know if you've ever read scripture like this and put yourself in the position of, of some of the characters in there, whether that be Jehoshaphat or whether that be Paul or Silas or Peter or whoever, and you put yourself in that position, it changes. What I mean by that is, is Paul was doing what God had asked him to do. He was preaching the gospel. He wasn't making a big scene. He was just preaching the gospel, and this lady was following them around, this girl following them around, saying, I mean, just causing a ruckus, and he, and he just finally discerned this, because she was saying, these men are from God, listen to them, which is kind of weird, because she was demon-possessed. But he turned around, first of all, he's just looking at her going, day after day, going, man, she's weird. Finally, he discerns, you know what, that's a demon, and he cast it out. And because of that, He's put into prison. He's preaching the gospel. He's helping somebody get free, and then he's put in prison. Now, I don't know about you, but one of the last things I might be doing is singing a song. Like, like it's Paul and Silas in the midnight, they're, they're together. Here's what, here's, here's what the scripture says. This is Acts chapter 16. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. One of the last things that probably you would be doing. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you feel sorry for yourself? You might be praying, but it would be, it would be dark prayers. You ever heard those dark prayers like, God, I don't know what you're doing. God, I don't know if you're on the throne or not. You know, that, that type of thing, because you're just frustrated. You're, 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 you're upset. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening. Suddenly, there was a massive earthquake, and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open, and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. He assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his, his sword to kill himself. But Paul shouted him, stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. The jailer called for lights and ran to the dungeon and fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? There's something that happens when we sing. There's something that happens in our lives, in the middle of our mess, in the middle of our battle, in the middle of our, our challenge. And when we sing our praise, it not only affects us, but it affects others around us. And this jailer obviously heard them. It was thinking, these guys are crazy. But then when the, the earthquake happens and they're freed and he, they could have left, but they stayed. He's like, man, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them, washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. He brought them into his house and set a meal before them. And he and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. Guys, here's what I'm saying. There's, there's something that happens when we're facing a challenge or a trial or a tragedy or some problem that we choose to sing our song instead of complain, instead of go to the bottle, instead of doing something. There's something that happens, and that's a supernatural thing. It's the power of song. It's the power of our hearts saying, God, no matter what happens to me, I'm gonna praise you. No matter what happens to me, I'm going to trust you. See, when sometimes you don't know the outcome, 
It's easy to look back in Scripture and go, oh, they won the battle because the Lord is the battles of the Lord's and they sang the singers and put the singers out there and it was all fine. Well, that's the, they didn't really understand really what was going to happen or how the Lord was going to win. Were they going to have to fight? Were they going to have to draw their sword? Were they going to have to get on their horses? I don't know. I don't know how he's going to win it for us, but I, all, all I do know is the principle is when we worship and when we sing our songs, the wonder of who he is and the work of him and the power that there is in song, there is something that happens. And when you, listen, when you choose not to, it doesn't, I know you're not, I know you're going to heaven. When you choose not to engage in worship and song, I understand you don't like to sing, it's too loud, whatever. Go to a church that you can connect with. And I don't say that in a smart aleck way. I say that because I love you and I want you to experience the power of song in your life. Because it's more than just a song service. It's more than just a preliminary before the real stuff. There's something that happens when God's people come together. Let me just put it on the screen. Simply, there is power in our song to the Lord. It's not just a thing we do before the message. It's our faith extended. It's our praise extended. It's our hearts extended saying, God, no matter what happens to me, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to trust you. The third, the third is the practice of song and worship. Now let's go back to New Testament church. And Paul says this in a couple of different ways. Ephesians chapter five, he says it like this. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days and, and don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, that's a word, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, Paul is instructing. This was a normal part of their get-together. They would pray, they would hear the word, the apostles' teaching, they would sing. And they would praise God and they would see what God working in their lives and, and working in their community. They turned the world upside down. There was something going on here. Colossians chapter three, Paul says it like this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. As you teach, listen to this, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. See, there's a teaching that goes on. We, we, we go through every song and we try not to sing kooky, weird songs. Right? You know what I'm saying? That, that have a meaning like, what is he what are we saying? What are we singing? We look through the theology of every song, making sure that we're not, we're not singing something that's not really good theology. And so when we sing our songs of praise and worship, it, it's teaching. It's a, it's a theology, the hymns of old, most of them, man, great theology. And it's a teaching form as you admonish and, and teach one another in wisdom and, and you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. So here's what happens. Guys, when we come together, whatever campus you're at, when we come together, here's what happens when we worship. We are expressing our wonder and love to God. We're extending our faith and our trust to God. Every time we sing, we're just saying, God, I trust you. 
God, I agree with this song. I, I am in wonder. I am in awe of your love and of your grace. We give thanks to God for all he's done and all he's going to do. We are encouraged, instructed, and we're reminded of God's faithfulness and character. Every time we sing those songs, you are good, you are good. I love that song. Uh, and many of the songs we sing, they're just solidifying the word of God in our hearts. And as we sing them together, as we worship together, there's something powerful that happens. There's the wonder, there's the power, and then there's the practice. And I think many of us understand the wonder and we understand the power, but the practice, I'll let somebody else do that. We've got a great worship team. Man, these guys are so talented. Crazy. But many, yeah, yeah, that's good. Across all of our campuses. But many of us are kind of like, we got our coffee and we're just like, man, they're good. You know, you're doing this, but you're far from engaged, far from connected. And so here's my challenge to you. Don't let the rocks take your place. Don't, don't let the stones take your place. Don't let anyone take your place. If you've experienced the grace of God, if you've been saved, if you've been, if you've been redeemed, if you've been it bestowed mercy and forgiveness on your life. Man, how, I, I, let me say it like this, as gently but as challenging as I can. How could you not offer up a song to him? How could you not? How could you just stand there and say, I'm just, I don't like this? How could you? And I say that with all love. I'm not trying to manipulate you in any way. I'm just saying, Man, when you really understand the depths from which God has saved you, the mercy and the grace that he's bestowed upon me and you. Guys, there's a story. Jesus is walking through town. He's getting ready to come into a town. And there's, there's a group of people on the side and they're yelling out to him. And I don't know how long it took before they caught his attention, but but he looks over and notices that they're, they're lepers. And I don't know if you've ever seen leprosy. I've seen it firsthand in other countries. It's, a, it's an awful, awful disease. And in those days, as well as today, they, if you touch somebody with leprosy, you would be infected. Good chance of you would be infected. And it's a terrible way. It just eats at your skin and your flesh and, and you finally die. Horrible Horrible. There, were, there was a group of lepers, 10 of them. They were at the side and they had heard about the miracles of Jesus and, and, this, and this guy who taught with such great authority and, and every time he touched somebody, every time he even spoke to somebody, they were healed and, and they were like, would you cleanse us? Would you heal us? Jesus, Jesus, would you? And he looks over at them and he says, go to the priest because the, 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 the custom was that if you had leprosy, and you were supposedly healed, you had to go to the priest, they would inspect, and then they would deem you as clean. So they, they all went to the priest, and as they were going, I don't know how much the leprosy had, but as they were going, their fingers grew back, their toes grew back. I don't know, guys, I, I don't know if you've ever even thought of, of what that would be like to to now have everything that you lost back. 
And so, man, they were excited. But you know what? Only one of them came running back to find Jesus. And he falls at his feet and he goes, Jesus, I just, I just had to come back. You don't, you don't know what you've done for me. I was, I was unclean, but now I'm clean. And Jesus looks at him and he says, oh, you're healed. Your, your sins are forgiven, you're healed. Where are the other nine? Now let me ask you a question. And I mean this with as, I don't apologize for this, but I mean this with as much authority as I can give it. Are you a part of the nine that Jesus has redeemed, forgiven, called, shown mercy to, and died on the cross for, to forgive you of your sins and promised you eternal life through his resurrection, but you refuse to sing your song of praise to him? How dare you? How dare us just stand here in worship? And I know you may not be used to these songs. Get used to it. Get, get a CD or, get, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to knock you out. I'm just trying to encourage you guys, if you know Jesus, you will worship Jesus. If you know the power of God and the wonder of his mercy and grace, you can't help it. It's natural. You just fall to your knees and you just go, thank you, Lord. So today, across all of our campuses, I know some of you are Episcopal. I know some of you are Catholic. I know some of you are in Baptist. God help us. <laughs> and, and you know, you, there's all kinds of things you've had to work through in, in whatever way. This is not rocket science. And this is, again, not about style or preference. This is about God and our gratitude for his, his work in our lives. So no matter the style, no matter your preference, this is about a heart that comes back to him week after week saying, thank you, thank you. Guys, this is true worship, that we offer up ourselves, that we engage in knowing him in spiritual formation, intentional spiritual time with him, and then we offer up our song. So today, I want us to do that. I want us to sing a song as we, as we close across all of our campuses and worship band's gonna lead us and, and I want you to, man, if you, I'm not trying to manipulate you in any way. If, if you just need to think about this and pray about this, you, you go ahead. I, the Lord will tell you that I'm right. But I wanna encourage you to at least sing. At least say, God, I know my life and I know where I'm at with you and it's very far, but I'm gonna sing. I'm gonna tr choose to trust you in the middle of my mess, in the middle of my sin, I'm gonna to choose to trust you, that you really do love me, even despite my stuff. And some of us have forgotten how wonderful he is. You've been, you've been a Christian for a long time, and you just go through the motions. I wanna encourage you today as we sing this song, a thousand hallelujahs, I want you to sing it like the first time. I want you to sing it like, wow, Lord, I... I've gotten a little lax, disconnected from you. So would you stand? Lord, we love you. And God, we're so grateful for your love and your mercy and your grace in our lives. And, and I know this is a passionate message that I believe in with all of my heart. That, 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 that some of us are leaving it on the table. We're leaving it 
and, and, and I'm, I'm just begging you, Lord, that you would put it on our hearts to understand how wide, how long, how deep your love really is for us. And when we understand the wonder and the power and the practice of song, God, how could we not fall to our knees? How could we not clap our hands? How could we not sing our song of praise to you? So in this moment, in this corporate body, we sing our song, believing, trusting, extending our worship because of who you are and because of all you've done for us. It is the least that we could do in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you sing with us? How many are going to sing? Raise your hand. Let me see your hand. You say, I'm going to sing today. All right. Let's sing. Let's do it. Thanks for listening to Hope's Weekend Message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.